I bid you welcome. I want to play a game. Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. It can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. Let them see what kind of a person I am. Why, she wouldn't even harm a fly. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Will. My name is Yaz. And welcome to the Monster Monday podcast. This is the weekly podcast where myself and Yaz talk about a horror film every week. And Yaz, why do we talk about horror films? Because the monsters in film aren't as scary as the monsters in real life. And I think this is a good example for that motto this week because we're going to be talking about the Korean film Train to Busan, which is one of the more recent zombie post-apocalyptic type horror films about infected people running around biting and... Uh, shouting and yelling and infecting other people, which is uh, a very timely story for our times. So, yeah, we've got this on Blu-ray. It's how we watched it. So, yes, before we watched Train to Busan for this podcast, had you seen the film before? Yes, I had, and I thought it was really good. Okay, so good positive start. Spoiler for the rest of the podcast. But Train to Busan is directed by uh, Korean director Yeon Sang-ho and written by Park Ju-suk, and it was released in 2016... And it was actually a big success in its native country. It became one of the few like breakout, like main, like relatively mainstream horror films. It also got a sequel, which came out in Korea earlier on this year. But it was it was meant to be playing at the Cannes Film Festival, but it got delayed because of current world events. Um, I don't think there's too much to talk about in terms of the setup and uh, the history of the film. It was just a really big like success in in the film. It was one of the most successful Korean films in certain territories like in, uh, Hong- in Hong Kong and Singapore, etc. But let's not waste much more time and talk about Train to Busan. The movie opens on a road checkpoint with signs that say quarantine zone and slow down as the truck is hosed down before it can be passed through. The driver of the van then proceeds to talk with one of the staff members, asking why they didn't just bury the pigs, to which the worker says, It isn't foot and mouth this time. There was a tiny league at the biotech district. Oh, do you remember foot and mouth? It was terrible. I do, yeah, because I actually lived in quite a rural area at the time, and while it didn't like directly affect me, it was big news all over local papers, local newspapers and things like that. Yeah, there was a lot of... Um... Like stepping your feet in, Some, disinfecting, yeah. yeah, stuff like that. When was when was foot and mouth? Was that like the mid two thousands? Yeah, I don't know. It always makes a comeback, doesn't it? Yeah, it kind of goes in and out of circulation, doesn't it? Here we go. Two thousand and one, United Kingdom foot and mouth outbreak. It's got its own Wikipedia page. We was only little ones. Mm. Wasn't oh yeah, it wasn't even ten years old. Over six million cows and sheep were killed. Uh, in an eventually successful attempt to halt the disease. I just remember it being quite scary Mm. and really horrible news footage. There was another one in 2007. Yeah, you're right, it just goes... Yeah, it it comes and goes, doesn't it? It comes and goes. But this guy must be a fan because when told it's nothing, he replies, you said that before and if you bury my livestock again, I'll really go mad. (laughs) It's quite polite. Yeah. He then drives on. Through the quarantine point, mumbling to himself, tiny leak, my hairy ass. Yeah, he, this guy don't care. His phone rings, and as he's trying to reach it, the van hits something, and we see blood spattered over the road. Oh. And then a dead deer. Oh, no. He briefly gets out of the van to investigate before getting back inside and driving off, with a shot lingering on the dead deer, which then comes back to life. There's a zoom shot of the deer's eyes being glazed over in white. This is really cool. You hear mm. all the bones crack back into place and mm-hmm. it's like all jagged movement. Yeah, yeah it's well, cool. The way it just sort of unnaturally rises back up from the from the pavement, from, from the road. And like, it is sort of the stereotypical sort of like ragdoll kind of locking back into place. It's, I imagine it's CGI or that's a really well-trained deer, but it, it is a really cool effect. It then cuts to black and we get our opening credits. We cut to our main protagonist, Siok Woo, played by Gong Yu, at work on his phone in the office talking about boring work stuff. <laughs> that was my input. I was going to say very, dis- very <laughs> <But> descriptive. <laughs> this, um, this 
script is going to be a bit different to usual because I wrote it this time. Yes, and I and very much look forward to it. I literally just don't... Well, I don't really put much descriptive stuff in. I just say what I see. No, exactly. So, it was boring work stuff, people. Yeah. But you had to make sure that the, the hairy balls comment from the farmer in the, in the yeah. opening. But you had to make sure that went in. Yeah, yeah. of course. Why yeah. not? Yeah. It's all, it's, it's all the colourful language. After his phone call, he watches the news, which reports mysterious fish deaths at the Jinyang Reservoir. He asks his assistant to sell all the stocks. This is probably to portray him as a selfish person who thinks about no one but himself. Mm. Um, So we can potentially see his redeeming character arc and (laughs) the (laughs) obstacles in his journey will take, or we will see his potential downfall. See, can you see my script is way better? Well, this is you being like... This is just all my thoughts I just write down. These are the themes of the movie, everyone. He's a hedge fund manager or something, and he may be bad, he may be good. Let's find out. No, he is bad. He starts off bad, and then he gets his redeeming character arc, like I've just said. Yeah. (laughs) Or maybe we see his downfall. No, because that's not the plot. But you mentioned it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, we will see his potential downfall. Either way, st- stick <laughs> with us, folks. This is going to be one wild ride. Anyway, um, we know he's he's kind of bad because, um, like, it's people's lives they're being messed with and the assistant is hesitant to do this and he's just like, just do it, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it, it's capitalising on an unstable situation. Yeah. He asks his assistant, what do kids like nowadays? Further in the point, he has no interest in anything but himself. Yes, because he has a little daughter at home. Mm-hmm. And instead of just thinking, oh, what do little kids like? He's got to ask people. He's taking no interest in what she likes. Yeah, it's like, do we, do we want to find out what, like, I could ask her myself. I could, you know, even just Google it. What's the hot toy this Christmas or whatever? What, what, what are kids buying? But he's like, no, find out for me and let me know and probably buy it for me, please. He's then arguing about custody of his child on the phone whilst in a car park. He arrives home to find his child, Suan, played by Kim Suan. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just laughing at my own um, writing because <laughs> I just literally just say, this happened, that's the end of things. Whereas yours is a lot more descriptive. Yeah. And like Mine is just like, yeah, he's just in a car park arguing. <laughs> yeah, he's just in a car park arguing. Like, if, if it's not vital to the plot I tend to leave it like in Les Diaboliques uh, from a couple of episodes ago there's a whole scene when they're driving the body back and there's a drunk guy who tries to get in the car and like they almost discover the basket I just cut that out of the plot synopsis because it didn't really lead to anything so I'm, I'm, I'm yeah we take things a bit differently that's not a criticism mm. that's not a criticism yes it's all good well next time don't ask me to write the plot well you are writing the next one well, so shit then. He arrives home to find his child, Suan, played by Kim Suan, under her bed covers saying she can ride the train herself to Busan as she wants to visit her mother. Siakwu wants his daughter to wait a week before going to Busan because then he won't have as much work on. It's all about you, innit? Mm. He tries to surprise his daughter with a birthday present, a Nintendo Wii, without realising she already has one in her room. I have a conspiracy theory about this. In that, but it's not a conspiracy theory. It's well, it is if you say it is. I think that they only had one Nintendo Wii because you see her open up the present and it's a box and it's a, a black Nintendo Wii with super, new Super Mario Brothers included. And then it, they they look up uh, into the corner of the room and you can see that the Nintendo Wii that she's got is already set up and it's the exact same box out on display. It's the Mario Brothers edition, and I think that they only bought one Wii and they just filmed it twice. Why not? Oh yeah, it's good. Makes but, sense. Yeah, but think what else are they trying to hide from us? Maybe there's they were actually zombies. That that is my point, by the way. That's it. That's yeah. That, that's I'm, that's where the story goes. I'm just trying to recover from it. Okay. All she wants for her birthday is to travel to Busan to see her mom, so she can go alone and see Okwu Kays and agrees to take her to Busan the next day, whilst receiving a lecture from his mom about saving his marriage and reminding him that family is important too. After he misses daughter's recital due to work, hmm, mm. this makes me think it's not the first time he's done this. Oh yeah. He is able to watch a recording of the recital though, but Suan gets staged right halfway through singing. Aloha Oe.
Yes, it's the song that um, in Lilo and Stitch, Lilo's sister sings to her uh, when they're about to get separated um, uh, and, and she's going to be brought into a new house and they sing it under the stars in the hammock. Aloha Oe, it's a Hawaiian, uh, a Hawaiian song. Mm-hmm. Suan and her dad are driving home but they nearly crash when a string of emergency service vehicles speed through on their way to a call out and they even see a nearby skyscraper in the distance with the top floors on fire. The next day the two were at the train station and an announcement is heard saying the train to Busan will leave shortly as we see passengers get on board the train. What I was really intrigued is do these trains run on time or are they like the UK and absolutely mm. shit? Well I, I actually looked it up because um, uh, I think the trains in South Korea are actually they are um, they're nationalised so they run better they're on time they're very nice clean trains that won't last long but they, they are nice clean trains yeah they looked good the train mm. station looked really clean as well mm-hmm. don't even want to talk about the UK trains just don't travel by train if don't. you're coming to the UK well there was the guy who didn't he like travel from Edinburgh to Belgium to London by plane because it yeah, was cheaper, it's than, cheaper getting than, the than getting the train. Yeah. yeah, the trains in this country are a disaster, but that's for another that's story. Right. The rail fares went up again the other day. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Mm. They always go up. Yeah. Yeah, true story. It's actually cheaper to drive anywhere or take a plane mm-hmm. than it is to travel by train um, in the UK. So if you do decide to holiday here, don't take the train anywhere. No, buses aren't too bad, though. Buses are okay. Yeah. Yeah. Trams, good, trams are alright. Yeah, we've got a good tram in um, in Manchester. There's a good one in Edinburgh as well. <laughs> this episode of Monster Monday brought to you by the Travel British <laughs> Transport. <laughs> yeah, by the Department of Transportation, yes. Um, yeah, I was just amazed that the trains were clean and on time and with no drunk people on them. Yeah, well, it's, it's important as well uh, that the trains are good because they've got some TV screens in the ceiling which show the news. That's how some of the characters get their, their the exposition across in the film. Yeah, that's pretty good, actually. Mm-hmm. We see the passengers get on board the train. We focus on a bunch of student baseball players. I assume the baseball. I didn't really know. Yeah, well, they're, uh, yeah they're, they're like a college or university baseball team. They've got like the logos of their of the institution on their jackets. We mainly focus on the boyfriend and girlfriend, Yongguk, played by Choi Woo Sheik, and Jin Hee, played by Ahn So Hee. We're also introduced to middle-aged sisters discussing a boiled egg. Mm. Oh no! Please don't eat a boiled egg on a train. Exactly. Not in public transport, please no. No, I hate it when people eat on public transport. So because people always eat really smelly things on public transport, I've mm-hmm. got a really sensitive smell. If people didn't mm. know, I've had it since forever, mm-hmm. and it is the bane of my existence yeah. because any little smell, I will smell it, and it is. Oh mm. my god, it's terrible. Well, I've been to a cinema when they get inside and they sit near me and then they open up their bags and it turns out they brought like a fully cooked meal in like a packed lunchbox. It was like a pasta meal or like a curry or something. Oh, fun story. I used to work at a cinema in the centre of our city. Yeah. And we would go in to clean up the screens. Honestly, worst job I've ever had. Don't do it. <laughs> um, and we would find ready meals and we're like... How the fuck have you got a ready meal in and eaten it? Where's your microwave? Did like, and there's like bottles of wine everywhere. There's like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I just couldn't believe this. Well, we did sell alcohol, so that it's not really that surprising. Mm. But I just don't understand how people took a ready meal into the like, cinema screen. Like, did they cook it at home? They must have cooked it at home, yeah. brought it, but then wouldn't it have been cold? So then what's the point of having it? Or, oh, the mind boggles. Or do they just buy it from, like, the a nearby shop and just eat it cold from the packaging? But why would you do that? Uh, that oh, don't. That no, makes that, me feel sick. It does. Yeah, that... Yeah. But, uh, but these... Um, to, to distract us slightly, uh, this... This whole scene in Train to Busan where we just start meeting some isolated passengers. It's a little bit like... like I know that Bait 3D wasn't the first film to do this, obviously. But it is the whole... Th- these are the characters who we're going to be mainly following. We get to know their names. We get to know who they are. These are the kind of main characters in this ensemble piece. Uh, and we start meeting them before everything starts going wrong. Anyway, yeah, top tip. Don't eat boiled eggs on public transport. Or fish. Don't eat yeah. fish. Don't eat egg. Don't eat fish. Just don't eat anything that smells. Yeah, just not just for yourself, but for everyone else. Just for 
the, just be courteous to your fellow public transport users. Anyway, rant over. Yep. No food on public transport got me so angry. Ah, it did. clearly does. Neither did I. You should campaign on that. Yeah, yeah. I think I might. Mm. These are Ingil and Yonggil, played by Yi Su Young and Park Myon Sing. Suan and her dad sit in the same carriage and take their seats. Just before the train sets off, a dishevelled looking passenger runs onto the train. Mm. Ooh! <laughs> The dishevelled passenger appears to have been bitten by something and has locked themselves in the train toilet. Passengers complain about them and a guard goes to inspect. Meanwhile, Suan is taking all this in whilst her dad sleeps. It's responsible. Oh, well, to be fair, she's um, isn't she at the window seat? Yeah. Yeah, so it's not like she can easily escape. But how's he falling asleep on public transport? Mind but, you, it's very clean and very tidy yeah. there, isn't it? And if you like... It doesn't seem that rowdy. You see, the, oh, once again, the trains in the UK are a lot different, <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you. You can't fall asleep on a train in the UK and have a nice experience, things I'm telling I, you. Things I have and I can, but that's me. I could, I could fall asleep anywhere, but I think it's also to do with like the vibrations and the slight rocking of the of the train, which makes me feel relaxed. Oh, no, I can't sleep anywhere mm. in public. Mm. I just don't trust anyone. Mm. But that's because I live in England. Yeah. Anyway. And, and distrust is kind of the national mood, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And there's always drunk people on the train. Oh, yeah, that's bad, yeah. The person we see in the toilet is not the passenger we think it's going to be, but instead a nameless potential homeless man, played by Choi Guiha. Yeah, I, it's a good subversive reveal because you think that the. Uh, passengers and the guard are going to stumble across this potentially infected person in the toilet, but no, it's someone else entirely. They're sat on the floor, scared out of his wits, repeating everyone is dead. You see, once again, back to the UK, it had been chucked off at the next station for not having a ticket. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And if he was in in Manchester in the middle of nowhere on the tram, he would have been uh, dropped off at that one stop where there's nothing for miles around. (laughs) We then see the infected passenger hobbling down the train aisle, looking more and more like a zombie as the infection takes hold. Suan walks to another toilet, but as she goes to open the door, she's stopped by a man also waiting for the toilet. This is Sanghua, played by Don Lee. Oh, he's a cutie. Yeah, so Don... I, d- I got a little... Yeah, d- took a little shine into him. He's a, he's a... I don't even want to say unconventionally good-looking. I think he's, he's a good-looking dude. But like Don Lee, he's going to be one of the biggest names in the world next year because he is going to be starring in the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, Eternals film. He's going to be playing superhero Gilgamesh. And along with that cast, you've got Richard Madden, Kumail Nanjiani, Angelina Jolie, Salma Hayek. It's going to be a massive film next year. They're kind of hoping it's their next Guardians of the Galaxy. But Don Lee is going to be a massive star next year. So you heard it here first on Monster Monday. He's also a cutie bum. Yeah, he's our, he's our, he's our dad bod cutie bum. He is. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know that he, you know that he'll like cuddle you and make you feel and make you feel safe, and he can he can also protect you. Yeah. 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 He, he can also protect you, and he can hug you. Yeah. Yeah. Get a man who can do both. Everyone get a Don Lee in your life. Yeah. Yeah. He's waiting for his pregnant wife. So. Seong Kyung, played by Jung Yumi, to finish using the toilet. But Sanghua kindly suggests another toilet for Suan to use because there are two people trying to use that toilet mm-hmm. and it might take a while. Yes. Oh, the wife has got pee fright. She's got wee fright. <laughs> Very common thing. Well, it's, well she, can't, she can't do it if she thinks people are listening. Yes, yes. I get it a lot. Mm, but that can't be good when you're pregnant, though. No. No. A train guard comes across to the convulsing zombie passenger, while Siok Wu has been woken up by a phone call. He's also watching the news on an overhead TV screen, which shows destruction and alleged rioting all over the country. As we cut back to the train guard trying to get assistance for the infected person, we see the infected rise up, mm-hmm. now a fully formed zombie, who has attached herself to the guard's back and is now attacking passengers. As the infected train guard also becomes a zombie, as well as several passengers. Yeah, this whole the the, the beginning of the outbreak is really well done, and like credit to this, like I imagine it would have been the director or the second unit director for being able to get these performances out of these extras, like because when they turn zombies, they are bloody feral. They're terrifying and screaming, leaping everywhere, and like because the infection spreads incredibly quickly on the train. 
but you believe it because they're so active and yeah. they're so feral. It's a very realistic portrayal, I think, mm. of it all. It's yeah, the the acting in this film is outstanding. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Is one of the very few films that moves me. Yeah, like, just mainly due to the performances as well. Yeah, isn't it? it's just yeah. And the thing is, though, with this film, you feel like you are on the train. Like a lot of films, it's easy to have that escapism because you can have the because um, you have the suspension of disbelief. A lot of films, you can detach yourself from them because it doesn't. Like, although they're fun to watch, it doesn't feel as though you're in that. Mm. You're just watching what's happening. Whereas this one, it actually feels like you're on the train. Yeah. And experiencing this too. Mm. And it's... I wouldn't say it's necessarily... It's not scary, but it's a very emotional film. Yeah. And it's it's very horrifying, but not mm. scary, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of that is, like, with the exception of maybe some scene transitions... There's not that many shots, like establishing shots outside of the train. The camera's perspective very rarely leaves the carriages of that train. You're trapped in there with with these people. And it is a cramped environment where you only have basically one path backwards and forwards. You've got that middle walking lane and the seats around you. And it makes you feel cramped and isolated with these characters. And because you're on a moving train, there really is no proper escape, is there? No. And it, like, Train to Busan, I think, as a zombie film, isn't particularly innovative, but it's just an incredibly well-done version of things that we've seen before. Yeah. Everyone is asked to run into other carriages. Suan is still in the toilet and hears screaming as more and more people are getting bitten. Suan and her dad thankfully reunite just in time to run away from the zombies as all the passengers lock themselves away in another carriage. They work out that the zombies can't open the train doors and cover the door in newspaper so they can't be seen by the undead. An announcement is made from the train captain, played by Jong Seok Yong, that the train will not be stopping at the next stop for their safety. It's nice that he's informing them. He is, yeah. He's a, he's a very communicative, communicative and responsible captain. He's not given a name, he's just captain of the train. Siok Wu gets a phone call from his mum, who has sadly been infected, and asks him to take good care of Suan. As he hears her dying on the phone, the train then jolts as they approach the platform of the next station with people banging at the windows begging to be let on board as we see the destruction being caused and all the people dying. And blood, handprints, mm. all on the windows. Yeah, like once again, there's very few shots that take place outside of the train. We see from inside of the train looking outwards at the people banging through. I think there might be the occasional shot from the outside but it's still quite close in you don't get the sense of like an exterior districts of clothes and film footage of zombie attacks placed on all the passengers phones as the survivors on the train make their way to the front carriages Siok Wu and Suan stop and take a seat but Suan offers her seat to the elderly siblings and say and they say what a good kid she is her dad says she didn't have to do that And she has to think of herself instead of other people. So what she says, Granny always had aching knees. Aw, yeah. She gives up her seat for the elderly ladies and Dad's like, no, why'd you do that? You ought to think of yourself in these situations. An announcement is made that the train service will conclude at Daejeon Station where the military will secure the train. The husband and wife from earlier are next to Suan. When Dad goes off to make a phone call, the husband asks... If he's a dad and calls him a bloodsucker for being a fund manager. <laughs> and his wife says, don't say that in front of his child. To which Suan responds, everyone thinks that. So that kind of gives you a little inkling into what, what he's like. And... Yeah, and she's fully aware of people's perception of him as well. There's a great bit where uh, they ask Suan to feel the baby bump. And he's like, yeah, I made that. I made, yeah. I, I made that and he, he seems so proud of himself <laughs> <It's> so funny <laughs> seems, and his wife is just like oh. don't don't be like that but he seems to have no filter but he's he's lovable yeah I, he is hey kid I, I made that Manjoba. 
이거 아저씨가 만든 거야? The dad then finds out that once they arrive at the next stop, they'll be quarantined, and Siok Woo convinces his co-worker on the phone, who is apparently connected to government officials enforcing the quarantine, to let them through the quarantine, but they'll need to make their own way to a different part of the city instead of the centre. The passengers are looking out at the platform, wondering why it's so quiet. They disembark the train, and we see them head through an empty train station with restricted areas and barriers. Yeah, it's it's it feels unnatural seeing an area that I, I've never seen an empty train station. I've never seen like an empty public transport station or anything. So it, there's something naturally wrong about it. The homeless passenger follows Suan and Siakwu as he heard his phone conversation. Suan wants to warn the other passengers, but it does says no. We are on our own. She says, you only care about yourself, that's why mummy left. Oof! Massive shade. That's gotta hurt. That does, yes. Siak Wu talks on the phone with his friend again, informs him that they've lost contact with the military personnel at the train station. We see the military have all been turned into zombies and are now chasing the train passengers back through the station. Yeah, the reveal of the military is great as well because the big group of survivors who are going to the normal quarantine zone, they're making their way down travelators, down escalators going down. And you see kind of like a first person perspective as they go down the escalators and you see the the people in military uniform facing away from them and you get like a a... a um, a foot, like a, a bottom-to-top reveal as they make their way down, and you start seeing that they're in, they're an infected group. Also, there's a really cool move where the um, Donnelly picks up the pregnant wife and just chucks her over the barrier safely. Oh yeah, he's very nice. How does one practice that? He's done that before. It's amazing seeing him do that. Yeah, <laughs> that's the type of thing where you only do that if you're so confident it will work. <laughs> <laughs> like how do, I don't know what scenario has happened, and maybe it's he's the whole romantic sweep off their feet, carrier up the stairs. That's the only scenario I can imagine where he'll know he has the capacity to do that. We actually saw some B-roll behind the scenes on the Blu-ray where they showed the filming of that, and there was a mattress down for her to land on. But Don Lee did that; it was great. That's because he's a heroic teddy bear. Mm. A zombie goes to pounce on Suan, but Sanghua, the husband, mm-hmm. elbows it out of the way as her dad is running back to her. The zombies on the train break free whilst all the survivors are running for the engine car of the train. An argument breaks out with some wanting to wait for the rest of the survivors and others wanting to leave. The most passionate person wanting to leave is COO Yong Suk, played by Kim Yoo Sung. So yeah, this guy is... Probably the closest thing to an antagonist that this movie gets. He's a COO. He's a chief operating officer, like a high-ranking executive business type guy. And this guy is an utter scumbag. We'll find out more over the course of the film. But it's just a testament to the performance as well, just how much you love to hate this guy over the course of the film. Oh, yeah. The, like I tell you, once again, the acting in this is incredible. Yeah. Okay. The zombies manage to break through the doors and chase the teens. Siok Wu and Sang Hua as they run to get on the moving train. Miraculously, they manage to get on the train with Sanghua grabbing nearby riot gear from a dead guard and fighting his way through the station platform, though most of the student baseball team are killed on the way. This escape is is really well done, because I think, was it a year or two before this film came out, you had World War Z, which had a much bigger budget, but it did depict zombies as kind of like What's the breed of ant where they climb on top of each other to make like towers and structures so they can get to higher places? Ants. I think it's fire ants. I think that's the specific influence. But yeah, so yeah, and you kind of get a little bit like the like that in this film, but on a smaller budget, where they're just rammed up against the glass doors in like on mass, and then when they run away from the glass doors, the zombies just break through and they pile through on top of each other. Like, there's some obvious CGI where some zombies just appear from absolutely nowhere to fill the numbers, but it's still that influence of this mass just moving towards you. I didn't even pick up on that, though. You just, I just got so involved in it that I was just like... Oh, yeah. I was just... I didn't pick up on any of that. Yeah, just like the drama and, and the performances are great. And there's... I mentioned the B-roll earlier. There's some great outtakes of them trying to get on the train and falling over on the platform. Donnelly actually injured himself during one take. Uh, and... Yeah, it's it's really interesting, like, behind-the-scenes footage. 
Some of the passengers are stuck but manage to seek safety in a toilet. The train will now terminate at Busan where they hope they'll be rescued. Then Sanghua gets a call from his wife who is with Suan saying they need help and they're trapped in a toilet with other survivors. Siokwu and Sanghua and Yongguk who are in car 9 attempt the rescue mission to car 13. They take the right gear and improvise using duct tape to protect their wrists from bites and start fighting their way to car 13. That's a really good idea there. Yeah, but it's, all, it's just a great sequence as well. And Sanghua, like, I, I don't know where he practices this stuff, but he's, he's, he's clearly a great hand-to-hand fighter. He leads the charge. Uh, he, stay, uh, he instructs uh, Siok Wu to stay at the back because he's used to like maybe leaving people behind who who are helpless. Like, he, he, like, uh, Sang Hua makes it very obvious that he kind of despises this blood-sucking hedge fund manager. And it's just a great fight scene as they make their way through the carriages. It's really well shot and filmed. However, they struggle against the infected baseball team and Yong Guk simply can't bring himself to fight against his former friends. Even when Siok Wu and Sang Hua are about to be killed. However, they briefly saved when the train goes through a tunnel with the darkness apparently blinding the zombies and disorientating them. They use this to their advantage and manage to sneak past them and rescue the passengers stuck in the toilet. That's great. I think that's good. Yeah. I think every enemy needs something that stops them. Yeah. Well, it's also something that's unique to the setting because they're on transport that will take them frequently through dark areas like these tunnels. But one, one thing I always like to ask whenever there's a whenever I'm watching a zombie film is are fictional zombies something that the characters know about like in Shaun of the Dead they make a point saying oh no we're not saying the Z word because we know we've watched films with zombies in them so we know zombies are a thing are zombie movies and zombie fiction a thing in Train to Busan because they never use the word zombie like do they know Um... do they know to aim for the head do they know to decapitate and do they know weaknesses of zombies I don't know. Stop getting no, but the, it's freaking me out. Stop! I don't know. Stop, it it's getting too getting too real. It's getting too um, Ex- existential. Yeah, it's too existential <laughs> for me. Stop! Sorry, the, it's the, just a film. These are the questions I ask whenever I watch a zombie film. Please, I'm so sorry. Stop! I'll stop. I'm hurting my brain. Stop the train. When the light comes back, they hide in the toilet opposite until they hit a tunnel and can escape. Yes, because they're able to use them, uh, their phones and they're able to use like their maps to find out when the next tunnel is coming, how long they're going to be under that next tunnel and how long they're going to have. It's really clever. Arguments break out again in the main car over whether they should let the others into their car with a selfish COO asserting himself as the one in charge and even destroys Jin Hee's phone when she tries to contact her boyfriend. Oh, he's just insufferable, he's a piece this man. Of but you know there's people like this out there. That's that's oh, yeah. why it's so bad. Yeah. And it's the um it's like the Milgram experiment, isn't it? And when someone is authoritative and tells you to do something, mm. everyone follows suit. Mm. Well, cuz I think um... because like whether it's out of like being scared or whatever, but they the, the other passengers start agreeing with him and they're like well, it's just heightened sense. I just... Yeah. Yeah, well, because I was going to bring this up later, but I think now's a good time to do it, because Train to Busan has... It's ultimately like an optimistic film for certain individuals and how they're selfless and they help other people and they put themselves above above others. But I think, on the whole, it's it doesn't have a very flattering, uh, positive portrayal of like people where they'll be selfish and they'll put themselves ahead of people like where they kind of put their faith in the COO to like and he, he kind of takes charge and everything but there's like that, that's kind of a staple of of apocalyptic fiction and you've got films like um, you know Lord of the Flies and The Mist and things like that where people will descend into utter carnage the moment they lose some sort of, a, of an authority figure or when society breaks down but what happens in actual real life is like the story that Lord of the Flies is based on was these um, group of six teenagers who washed ashore onto like on un, like uncharted deserted island, and rather than descend into barbarism, they set up their own mini society and they got rescued fifteen months later. They set up like a water like rainwater gathering facility, pens for livestock. One of them even broke their broke their leg while exploring, and rather than just you know abandon the dead weight, they they looked after him until they got rescued. 
and there was like the the blizzard of 1888 where people would support each other in those communities despite being locked off in the rest of the world but it was the institutions that failed them where it was like the the markets and the people the factory workers in that area we just wouldn't support them wouldn't let them have any sort of their workers have some sort of financial assistance during this blizzard so the people help they are supportive but it's the institutions that let them down it's very realistic because in in some ways humans are very selfish yeah. like look at look at the current pandemic people are being selfish right now they're, yeah. they're, but if there's an act I know there's an actual threat, but people can't see it, so they're not treating it as an actual threat. Mm. Whereas when you see something like, um, like we we live in Manchester, and there was um, a horrific terrorist attack a couple three years ago. Then, maybe? Was it the uh, the uh, arena bombing? Yeah, yeah. A, a, um, an arena bombing um, which killed 22 people, mainly children, mm. unfortunately, and. Um, the way that the whole city, uh, and I'm not lying, people think this is like just something you say, I'm not lying, but the way the whole city, we all came together and mm. everybody was there for each other and it was so emotional and there was vigils that we all had together. Yeah. There was people handing out candles to people yeah. and hugging strangers. We were we were all literally, they. the slogan that we got was um, a city united because we have the two main football teams here one called Manchester City and one called Manchester United they're usually rivals however in this time everything silly like that is forgotten and we all came Mm. together and helped each other so there there is that when there is real threat you you do band together but but it's also important that there will be some sectors that are very selfish like like we're seeing now, that there is some very selfish behaviour going on. Yeah, it, it, it's like, um, I think it was a quote from Russell T. Davis, and people who follow me regularly will obviously know who he is, but he was showrunner for Doctor Who for five years. He wrote Years and Years as well, which is a great drama on the BBC. And, he's, and he, so he, by his nature, he's kind of written the end of the world and written apocalypses like very regularly in his TV work. But he said that what kind of surprised him about the current, like, like coronavirus pandemic and everything was how it's like the end of the world was quite boring but also there was a lot of positivity from it where people a lot of people did band together i think train to busan is kind of it kind of portrays the optimistic selfless people as the minority but still people that we should root for and help and protect and fight for. Whereas I think in reality, it's maybe a little bit more optimistic than that. You will obviously get into institutions and individuals which are selfish and self-serving. But I I like to think on the whole, we'd come together. But I don't don't necessarily think that Train to Busan is portraying that the the majority of people are negative. Yeah, there's more people, but they are in that carriage. And I I genuinely think it's it's like the Milgram experiment. Anyone that doesn't know, it was a psychological um, study where um, it was basically to see why Nazis did what they did. And And it was basically like an authoritative figure would sit somebody with an electric buzzer and you would see somebody the other side of of the glass connected to electrical wires and this person would say something like you have to press this button but you know that that person is going to get shocked with electricity and harm them and they keep going and going Mm -mm. until they say right this last vault is going to kill them Mm -hmm. um are you still going to press it a majority of the people did press that button knowing that they would kill that person but because an authoritative figure has told them this it's it's kind of like people were a very strange species. When somebody in authority tells us to do something, we generally mm. do it. And because this guy's in charge and he's causing such a big fuss about it, people think, well, he must be right. Mm. He must be right. So they'll go along with that, whether they think it's right or not. And it takes a very strong person to be like, well... No, I'm not just following your rules. I'm thinking for myself. But when you're scared and in, you don't really know what to do, and somebody appears to take charge, yeah, I think it's very easy for them to fall 
into that because we like order we like somebody to take charge we like somebody to make the decisions for us and that way we can pass off our guilt yeah so those passengers won't feel guilty because they haven't made that decision they've made it as a collective Mm -hmm. so everyone is to blame rather than just one person yeah yeah and it's it's also i'm just looking this up now as well like the stanford prison experiment where people were where students were they tossed a coin and that made you either a guard or a prisoner and it was a six-day experiment. It was ultimately abandoned because it kind of descended into chaos and torture and stuff. But those who were the guards, they were kind of given free reign and they abused that authority and abused that power. So there's, there's a lot of interesting studies about human behaviour for it. But yeah, I think you're right. With, I think a lot of the people who are kind of following the COO are doing it kind of out of fear because they also don't want to be ostracised by the group. They kind of... But I, I do also think that... Um, because they have defaulted to this authority figure in the film. I do like to think that, in reality, should this happen, there will be, obviously, some bad people to manipulate and capitalise on the situation. But I like to believe that, as a collective, we'd be a bit more helpful, uh, helpful to each other. I don't know. I think that's a very realistic portrayal. I think that would happen. However, it focuses on the people who are there to save other people. Like, we see the redemption arc within Siok Wu. Yeah. He, he, he does turn selfless. Yeah. He realises, oh, hang on, no, I can help these people. And a little bit later on, I'll explain it a bit later on, we'll come, we'll come back to that. Yeah, yeah. The toilet passengers crawl along the overhead baggage in order to avoid the zombies and make it to the secure car, but they've been locked out with the COO adamant that they don't get let inside. The train exits the tunnel, alerting the zombies to the survivors in the carriage, and Sanghua tries to to hold the glass door shut to keep them out and buy the remaining survivors time to break through the door to the next carriage. In this struggle to keep the zombies out, Sanghua gets bitten on the hand. Um, This is where it starts to get really sad Mm, in the film. We know he's going to die, he asks Siok Wu to look after his wife and he sacrifices himself and shouts out to his wife, you son, and he finally names their baby, which she's been pestering him to do for a while. Yeah. As his wife and Siok Wu run into safety and the husband gets devoured, saving everyone. Yeah. So we see these really selfless acts. Um, but it's, it's a great scene as well because, yeah, he gets bitten. He knows that he's going to turn. But what he does... Because he's a big guy and he's taking up a lot of the space in the aisle where people would move up and down the train carriage. So he he's literally using his like size and his and he's pushing back against the horde. He knows he'll die, but he, if he can just buy his wife and these people just a few extra seconds, he'll do it. He's pushing back against this massive horde. And you can see that it's a great performance as well. He's fighting back the infection. For a moment, he turns. Then he fights it for a few more seconds. And it's just where those seconds count where he's able to save his wife. It's a really... It's a great performance and a kind of heartbreaking scene. Yeah. I've got all sad now. (laughs) It's okay. Our little cat Winnie has joined us as well on the sofa. We see him turn into a zombie. Whilst the other passengers manage to... Oh, you got you emotional. Just wait until later on. You'll be okay later on. Oh gosh, I know this film absolutely destroys me. I cannot watch it without crying. Mm. Anyway, whilst the other passengers manage to finally get into the safety car, Siokwu attacks the COO, demanding to know why he wouldn't let them in. But the COO manages to turn his group of survivors against him by claiming he can see that Siokwu is infected because of his rubbing eyes. That's very realistic. Yeah. That would happen. Yeah, he that kind of shit happens every day with governments and stuff yeah, he, right he, now. He, yeah, he's, he's cornered and he's able to like wriggle his way out of it and kind of and lie and be like, look, look at his eyes, he's infected. You Can't you see? And turn the group against him. But what's interesting is that before all this happens, you could imagine Siokwu being this same person I think if oh, he yeah. wasn't with his child and hadn't gone through some of these experiences with his child and seeing the kindness of other people he would have mm-hmm. been the one that would have joined the COO yeah well Siok Wu is, he's a younger guy he's like what in his 30s maybe uh, and he's he's a, he's a fund manager and this guy is a COO he's probably someone who in a, like a few years or maybe a decade's time Siok Wu could become You, he is kind of a mirror image to our main character just older he's He's kind of 
the the COO is Siok Wu grown up if he had maybe take a different path. It's a it's a really great mirror image, but they don't like draw attention to it. It's just the nature of the story. He manages to convince the survivors that the new group needs to be separated from them, and they're made to go into the ne- into a little vestibule with Jin He also joining them to be with her boyfriend because she really wants to let them in and yeah yeah. Ironically, though, this helps to save the group as a young girl has an internal monologue after seeing her infected sister on the other side of the glass door in another carriage saying, you idiot, why do you always help others? What's the point? She's got tears coming down her Mm -hmm. face. And you can see that she's really, like, just in so much pain at losing her sister. Mm -hmm. Disgusted at the selfishness of the survivors, she then proceeds to get up and go towards the zombies thanking her sister for everything and lets all the zombies into the carriage apparently killing the whole group yeah like that's you got it's powerful but you've got to like hand it to her that's like she's committed to that spike instant karma i yeah. don't blame her you know oh no i don't the selfishness of all them people they deserve to die they could have saved so many other people if they'd mm-hmm. have just let them in a bit earlier yeah but because they just bowed to this selfish authority figure the coo they they kind of made their situation worse and ostracized this group because in the scene before uh that she watches her sister get killed or like get attacked by a zombie and if they had maybe let the group in earlier if they hadn't been so selfish yeah she still would have been alive and she still would have been her sister but now they'll both be enjoying their boiled eggs on the train cart in heaven now and in heaven the boiled eggs don't make a smell on public transport yeah <laughs> We then have a touching moment of Siok Wu and Suan with him saying, it's your birthday, don't worry, I'll get you to your mum no matter what. And she says, aren't you scared? And he replies, of course I am. Siok Wu then gets a phone call from his friend and discovers that this infection started at one of the companies they were managing. The friends ask, it was nothing to do with us, right? Mm, yeah, it's, it's once again just trying to pass off the guilt and be like, we're just the, we just move the money around. We don't. Like, it's not our fault, is it? And it's about, because where does the responsibility end with these things? Well, oh. the dad then puts down the phone. He's gone into the bathroom at this point and he's covered in blood and very symbolically washes blood off his hands. Oh, Sim- oh. symbolism. Oh, boy. Oh. Put that in your essay. Instant, instant first. <laughs> instant first, everyone. While he's looking at While them, he's crying. And he's and looking and in the mirror at what has he become. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> The train is then forced to stop due to an obstruction on the line and the captain informs the remaining survivors, including the COO, who managed to escape the infected as well. I want to know how he did that. <laughs> he probably sacrificed oh, everyone. Oh, he probably shoved someone in front of yeah. him and be like, here you go, zombie, and yeah. They'll try and bring in the new train to the left of them and that they should try and get on board safely to get to Basam. The captain makes a run for it and manages to start a new train as the Romanian survivors leave the old train and try to get on board. However, on their way across the train tracks, a train carriage on fire hurtles down the track towards them, crashing into the station and overturning the infected train. It's such a... Sorry, it, it's it's a really great scene because they're, cause they're walking by the train tracks which have got, like, stones and and everything around them and the stones start vibrating as the and then... They look up and this train carriage, which is ablaze, is hurtling towards them. And it's like, holy shit! And then it crashes and there's a great CGI set piece where they have to escape the debris. This allows the zombies inside to escape and pursue the survivors. On their way to the train, the COO selfishly pushes Jin He into a zombie which bites and infects her. And as Yong Guk holds her in his arms, she dies. She She comes back as a zombie and infects him too yeah this is like the irredeemable moment where he just takes this teenage girl and just throws her to the zombies to save himself yeah, yeah it's, it's horrible he didn't even need to do it like the way the scene is set up he doesn't need to do it but he does it anyway the homeless man also sacrifices himself to hold back the zombies when trapped under train wreckage to ensure Siok Wu Suan and Seong Kyung can escape Oh, I'm getting all yeah. emotional but again. It's, but it's also it's another it's another great visual reference to the zombies being just a, a mass where 
there's this partially toppled over train carriage full of zombies like against the glass and the window is cracking and then once it finally breaks there's they just fall out they like it's kind of like a, a water leak where they just pull out of this of the window and it's a really like creepy but it's image. realistic isn't oh, it? oh yeah because it's just the sheer amount of them breaking the glass and then leaking through the three managed to get on board the new train just the front carriage. There's a shitload of zombies follow and grab a hold of the back of the train. The zombies cling on and climb on top of each other, weighing the train down and forcing it to slow. Like this is like an, this is one of the most inventive scenes of the film, where there's so many zombies attached to the back of this train because it is just the front carriage. There's no like passenger compartments or anything. There's a railing at the like an, a walkway area which the climax of the film takes place on. And they're just attached to this train, and they're weighing it down. There's so many of them that the train is is forced to slow. It's it's so well done, and it's really inventive. But Siokwu kicks their hands, causing them to lose their grip and let go. They make their way to the driver compartment, only to find the COO is the only one on board. So what happens is... Um, the captain um, is the only person on the train before the other survivors get onto it, and he sees that the COO is running from zombies. However, he he trips and he um, buckles his ankle, hmm. um, and so the captain goes to help him. However, he he starts to get attacked by zombies, and instead of the COO helping save the captain like the captain saved him, he just leaves him to be eaten by zombies. So then he is the person that is driving the train mm. when the others manage to get on it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah that was my fault. That was my mistake. I forgot that happened. And by the looks of it, like, to be... Like, the COO is a piece of work. He's absolutely terrible. To be fair, that was one of... I don't think that was... It was his failing that the captain died. I the, don't... The, zombie, the zombies attacked. He couldn't... He can't really do anything to help him. Yes, he could have done. Could he he went out there to save him. He could have pulled him, got him away, could have batted away them zombies. Right. I'm, I'm right. sorry. Okay, fair, yeah. fair enough. Disagree with you there. Hard disagree. Hard disagree. Okay. Um, he yeah. tells Siokwu that he's scared and just wanted to get back home to his sick mother, which is why he was so desperate to survive. The COO becomes a zombie and starts attacking the group, but Siokwu is able to use a nearby chain to fight back. But he gets his hand bitten as he throws the COO off the moving train. Siokwu, realising he doesn't have much time left, instructs Siong Kyong on how to use the train, mostly guessing where the brakes and throttle are. And has a tearful farewell. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. With his daughter, who begs him not to leave them. God, even talking about it is making me cry. Well, it is. It's the most... su- yeah, it's super emotional. You've got like Suan played by Kim Suan, who is a child actor. She was nine or ten years old when she did this film. She'd been working as in like she'd been working as an actress for like five years prior. So, like she's experienced in acting, but this performance is still it's it's a uh, it's something else. It's and... it's amazing. It is so realistic, and the little cries and screams of this little girl. Yeah, oh my and, god, and it she, gets me every time. Yeah, she's begging him not to leave, and you get you get these wonderful shots of uh, them holding each other's hand, and Siogru's got this bite mark on his hand and has to let go of her. It, it's it's the performances are so powerful. <laughs> Would you like me to to take would you like me to read the last paragraph for you? It's okay. She's screaming for him. Oh my god, I'm sorry guys. Oh <laughs> uh, well like I this is it's a genuinely heartbreaking finale. It is really sad and the and The it, little curl is just she's just amazing in it. Yeah. Her screams and cries and the heartache that the dad must feel knowing he's he's got to leave her. Diakwu mm-hmm. locks himself out of the driver's compartment and sits by the side of the train 
yeah, like every time. It gets to me at the end of every time as well. Slowly becoming a zombie. And he flashes back to him holding a baby Suan. <laughs> when she was first born. Suan helplessly cries and screams at the driver's window as Siok Wu commits suicide by falling off the train. Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful shot where you just see the shadow of him just fall off the train and hit the ground. It's, it's like really tastefully done with great restraint and you're so, like, it's kind of left ambiguous as to whether or not he turned but like, you just see the silhouette of him fall off the train. No, you see him start well, to turn. Well, yeah, yeah, you His see, eyes glaze over yeah. and you can see him smile and remembering. Yeah, but it also means that the audience kind of gets that, uh, like, it's kind of a bitter, it's a bittersweet thing where if, it, like, because you just see the shadow, the silhouette of him fall, you just see him as him falling. You don't see, like, a zombie him falling. He's, he kind of retains his humanity to the end because you, it has that really tasteful shot. The train arrives at a blockade and Siwan and Seong Kyung get off the train and start walking through a military blockade which leads to a tunnel. On the other end of the tunnel are a group of armed soldiers trying to identify whether or not the two are infected. They're about to shoot them, but Suan starts singing Aloha Oe. The soldiers, now realising the two are human, run down the tunnel to rescue them and bring them to safety. The end. That's the that's Train to Busan. So yes, what did you think of Train to Busan? <laughs> um, it's an amazing film. It's really good, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's so emotional, as you can tell. Yeah. Every time, every time I watch it, I just bawl my eyes out yeah. at it. Well, um, I, even I, just talking about it, remembering it, it just set me off. Hmm. It's um, it's so realistic. This little girl's performance, is, yeah. it's just. Oh my god, it's gut wrenching, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Like it, it works as like a horror film, like a horror thriller action film as they make their way down this train. It's a bit like Snowpiercer with zombies, but it's also an emotionally fulfilling, emotionally satisfying story from beginning to end. It tells like emotional stories of these people who selflessly sacrifice themselves or do whatever they can to stop those who are selfish, like that sister who decides to just let the zombies in the in the carriage and their battle to for for a better world they want to be a part of. Oh mm. that was rough. Maybe. Um <laughs> I apologise for crying. That well it's it is talking about it. No, but I just it, can't help it. It just sets me off. Well, I think just... it just kind of shows how powerful the film is. It's it's not just a b schlocky horror film. There is some real, like, humanity to it. It's a really strong film. It is, and watching the extras of them make it is very entertaining as well. Yeah, the B roll is great, and like because they would like they'd be filming like green screen outside of the windows, or they would be. They'd take, they'd remove one of the walls of the carriages so that they can get some ex- some shots looking into the carriage. Uh, there's a really great um, uh, thing that they created where they were able to suspend the camera through some legs which are attached to wheels, which uh, allow it to like go up and down the overhead compartments, the overhead luggage compartments, so they can wheel this camera suspended up and down the aisles. It's yeah, it's really cool. There's hardly any interviews or anything on the Blu-ray. It is it is just a good ten to fifteen minutes of B roll, which I love watching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't really have much more to add other than if you've not seen the film, mm. check it out. <laughs> but don't don't just take our word for it. Take Edgar Wright, the director and writer of Shaun of the Dead, who gave the film his seal of approval on Twitter, calling it the best zombie movie I've seen in forever. And a lot of awards bodies uh, in uh, Korea and Asia agreed. It was nominated but didn't win any uh, of the Asian film awards for that year. It won um, 
uh, Best Makeup, uh, Audience Choice for Most Popular Film at the Blue Dragon Film Awards. It, it was kind of a uh, like um, an Eastern Asian Awards, darling. Uh, I think they even brought they nominated it at the Academy Awards for that country's representative for Best Film of the Year. It didn't get nominated at the Oscars. Can you imagine Oscar nominee Train to Busan? Um, it, I think it should. Well, it, it, it's absolutely film. amazing. It, there's a lot of shit that goes into the Oscars. <laughs> so why not actually pick decent films? Well, let me just, I'm just going to take... It, was the, it would have been the Oscars which La La Land... Uh, sorry, Moonlight won uh, that year. And what was Best uh, Foreign Language Film? What was it? Best Foreign Language Film... Um, we had uh, a film from Germany, film from Australia, Sweden, Denmark, with the winner going to The Salesman, which is an Iranian film. Now, nah, Train to Busan. Train to Busan should have won at the Oscars. That would have been great. But yeah, it, it, was, uh, it was a big hit. It um, had like, massive audience attendance in Korea as well. A sequel came out earlier this year, which we have yet to see because of current world events. But yeah, Train to Busan, you can get it on Blu-ray. I think you can rent it as well. But yeah, so Train to Busan is, if you're a fan of um, zombie films, definitely, I think it's a must-see for the genre. It's it's a really good modern Yeah, usually film. zombie films aren't that emotional. No. Uh, they're they're kind of just like, yeah, but this one's got real humanistic values. and. Mm. Well, there's a lot of like social commentary and a lot of, you know, like we we talked about it earlier, just who like what type of people will descend and like once uh, once society starts falling, what mini societies will form on this train, and and things like that. Yeah, it, it's got it's got some really solid themes, and it's also just a really good zombie film. The extras and the zombies themselves, the makeup's great. They're really creepy and terrifying. And it it's not it obviously doesn't have the budget of a World War Z, but it is still able to get across the zombies as this huge, uh, frightening mass. I think it's way better than World oh, War Z. It's better. Than, it is better than World War Z. Sorry, World War Z. Sorry, World War Z. Sorry, it is better than World War Z. The film, but I, um, I it, it doesn't have the budget, but it is still better than that film, despite that. So yeah, that was Train to Busan. If you haven't seen it, then we massively recommend watching it. It's a really, really good modern horror film. Um, and what we're going to do... We're doing something a bit different this yes. week. So we have been sent a request mm. um, in by... Uh, the user is just 4-4. Four, four, like just, as in the number 4 space 4. Uh, so yeah, 4-4 four, four got in touch with us via uh, YouTube. Uh, said, hey, could you both do the movie... Society. So this week we're giving the wheel a miss and we are going to review society for you. Yes, so as you are well aware, folks, we do live in a society. But we're going to be talking about the body horror film uh, directed by Brian Yunza. It's from 1989, the film Society. We're going to be talking about that next week. And 4-4, in his, his or her comment, put, It's unintentionally funny and kind of creative goes insane at one point and it will be awesome getting your reaction so 4-4 four, four, we're going to get our reaction to society next week we're going to give the wheel a miss yeah um, to other people who have sent in their suggestions do not panic mm-hmm. we are planning a special episode for those um, we are just trying to make our way through a lot of different ideas don't panic mm-hmm. we've not forgotten about you nah. we will do an episode on your suggestions and if you've got any more suggestions for us, feel free to ask us mm-hmm. um, to do that. Engage with us. You know, we've got Twitter. We've got Instagram. Maybe we should set up Facebook. Yeah, yeah we, we can give <laughs> we'll that a go. We'll set up a Facebook page for you. Yeah, we'll give that a go. Um, so you can find us currently on Twitter at MonsterMonPod and on Instagram at MonsterMondayPod. So thanks so much for, for listening to this episode where we talked about Train to Busan. If you are listening to us on iTunes or on a platform where you can leave reviews and comments, please feel free to do so. That would be massively appreciated. Uh, and uh, if you were wanting to know what uh, podcast feeds we're on, we are on iTunes. We are on uh, we should be on Stitcher by now, but I think they're being quite slow about it. We are on Anchor. We are on Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts. So tell your friends. Uh, So thank you so much for listening. My name is Will. 
My name is Yaz. And thanks for listening to the Monster Monday podcast. We'll see you folks next week for Society. Bye! Bye. Je suis quand même de moi. <laughs>